Tonight we're dealing with spiritual renewal. And by way of just a reminder of what we've already covered from last week, I want to just share with you a couple of things that we, uh, what we talked about. And the first thing is, uh, as we looked at, spiritual renewal comes through reading God's Word. And so as we look at that, there is a quote, uh, or excuse me, we see that they are reading God's Word. Uh, they spend a lot of time studying God's Word, and we'll look, deal more with that a little bit tonight. But then as we go forward, I want to remind you that a strong emphasis on God's Word is a primary mark for spiritual renewal. And anytime there has been a lack of uh, a strong emphasis on God's Word, then there has also been a lack of holiness. God's Word prompts us to holiness. God's Word prompts us to living righteously with God. And that is so important. I talk, uh, I'm reminded that Paul told Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Why? Because the Word of God is always profitable. And it is so important that as a church that we not uh, get into this mindset uh, that we slack off concerning God's Word, but instead we continue to invest in God's Word, continue to invest in teaching others, continue to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And so as we think about this tonight, as, as Nehemiah uh, came to this point, uh, the people were excited about all that was going on. They built the wall. Uh, they were ready to move forward. They were no longer a reproach to uh, those around them and their enemies. And they were ready at this point to go forward in the promises of God, believing His Word, understanding God's truth, knowing that this was the time God had called for them to be renewed spiritually. I'm reminded that today is a day when we need to be renewed spiritually. Our nation, our lives, our church, we need God's spiritual renewal. And so as we look at the text of Scripture tonight, my heart and prayer is that we can see some other places that uh, as we invest in those, God brings spiritual renewal. Obviously, we dealt with the Word of God, and we're going to move forward from there. But let us stop. Let's read the Word of God together, and we'll start with some prayer. So if you've got your Bible, you and your kids, gather around, or you and your spouse there on this wonderful Valentine's night, let's gather around the Word of God together, and let's read from Nehemiah chapter 8. And we're going to read the entire chapter in its context as we begin this Bible study this night. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and the women... And those that could understand in the ears of all the people that were, uh, were attentive unto the book of the law. What an incredible difference you find here where the people are attentive versus what Paul warned Timothy is that there will be a day when people will not endure sound doctrine. They'll seek teachers uh, that will stroke their ears and be the things that they want to hear. But they were attentive to the Word of God. Remember, this is principal and primary in our desire to be renewed spiritually is that we love God's Word. Verse 4. It says, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Ananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah 
and Maaseiah, and on his right hand and on his left hand, uh, Pedadiah, and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem, and uh, Hashbad uh, Anna, and Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, uh, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua, and Bani, and Sherebiah, and Jamendiah, and Kelijah, and Shabbatiah, and Hodijah, and Maaseiah, and Kelita, and Azariah, and Jezebed, and Hanan, and Pelaiah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So the read in the book of the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is uh, the uh, Tirshatha and Ezariah the priest uh, the scribe and the Levites that taught the people said unto the, uh, all the people this day is holy unto the Lord your God mourn not nor weep for when all the people uh, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law then he said unto them go your way eat the fat drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy unto our lord neither be ye sorry for the joy of the lord is your strength so the levites stilled all the people saying hold your peace for the day is holy neither be ye grieved and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of the, of the people and the priests and the Levites unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth into the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of the thick trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one upon the house roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of, the, of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Also, day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. Would you join me in prayer after we have, you know, since we have completed the reading of God's Word? God, thank you for this great chapter. And Lord, we're just an encouraging moment in the history of Israel as they have chosen to, uh, to dedicate not only uh, building of the wall, but their hearts to you. And Lord, as they sought you, Lord, may we also seek you. Lord, that we would be willing to do hard things to be able to draw close to you. Lord, that we would be willing to seek you through your word, prayer. Lord, that we would be willing to obey and listen and heed. God, we need you today. Would you lead us, I pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. 
As we look here in the Word of God, I'm just reminded of some incredible truths here uh, that, God has re- that has, God has shown us. Obviously, we know that, that spiritual renewal comes through God's Word because God's Word is a living book. God's Word is something that applies to our life on a daily basis. Now, when I say it's a living book, doesn't mean that it changes. God's Word never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But as we look at this, I want you to see that, that it's still applicable even 2,000, 6,000 years later it's still applicable to our hearts today. And so it is important for us to be able to jump in the Word of God and appreciate uh, the emphasis this year that we have on just reading the Word of God, allowing it to be in our lives, because reading God's Word faithfully will transform a heart and a life. Are you full of anxiety? Are you full of stress and pressure? Read God's Word. Because in doing so, we learn Psalm 46. Be still and know that He is God. He is the Lord, the maker of ruler of heaven and earth. He is the one that we turn to today. And so as we look at this, we see that there is great comfort that we're free from God's word. But reading is not just enough. We see also there was a desire to understand in verse number 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. And and they uh, gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And so they sought to know... Uh, and to understand so that they could apply. And we'll see that application later in the chapter as they uh, listened to and obeyed God's Word. But with the second thing we, I want to point out tonight is that spiritual renewer, renewal comes by corporate prayer. If you turn it back to verse number six, uh, 5 and 6, we see that when Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, he says he was above the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. A man with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now this is literally, when, when he deals with this, he's dealing of saying that as they worshiped the Lord, they were prostrate with their faces toward the ground. This was the, they went from standing to prostrate before God. It was a time of not just prayer, but a time of worship in this time. This was not an ordinary formality that begins a service. It was not just a formality in reading God's Word. It was a genuine, heartfelt desire to meet with God. So oftentimes in our prayer life, and even in our church services, we uh, become uh, just satisfied with uh, just going through the motions. But these people were not just going through the motions. It was a heartfelt desire to seek God's face. I remind you as a church, as we gather here on Wednesday nights when we have prayer or Sundays or or, uh, whenever it is that we are able to gather together for prayer, that there is power in prayer as we pray as a church. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. He says, again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We commonly hear verse 20 quoted, and oftentimes we are reminded of that truth. And and we, we apply this to any time that we gather for fellowship. But the context of this prayer and, and this wider context is that of not just prayer, but also even in church discipline. And we're reminded that as we gather together, we pray together, we seek God's face together, that uh, we see God answer this time of prayer. 
You see, Christ desires for us to see that there is tremendous power in corporate prayer. When we gather for prayer meetings, when we gather for men's prayer breakfast next week, when we, uh, or I guess it's the week after in a couple of weeks, first one we'll have in, in nearly a year. When we gather together for those purposes, that time of prayer is very precious and it's very powerful. And I want to encourage you, don't, don't just slough it off. Well, we'll do something else. And, you know, I, 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 want to, I want to discipline my own life. When we're praying together as a church, not to move around, not to, not to uh, be uh, allowing myself to be distracted, but instead to be geared in and, and listening to and praying along with that person who's praying out loud, that God would be able to work in and through that time of, of corporate prayer uh, that we might see the power of God at work. You know, it's this kind of prayer that brings transformation. It brings repentance. It brings revival. And we experience God in a way, in a special way in corporate prayer. And it is through corporate prayer we see God move in a special way. But we've lost sight of this truth. We rush through our prayer time, looking for opportunities to rush home. And we're irritated oftentimes when people share their requests. But I remind you, as I must remind myself, heaven pauses to listen when we come before the throne of grace. Don't rush through it. Don't wish it was over and go on to the next thing. But let us be reminded that as we enter into that precious throne room, we're entering into the presence of God. So it's no wonder that soon after praying, soon after reading God's word, we see these people... responding in a way of weeping, a way of sorrow, a way of rejoicing, a way of repentance, and ultimately in obedience. You see, God was there when they brought their prayers before Him. God was there in verse 6 as they bowed their heads, as they worshiped the Lord, as they lifted their hands. And it is... It is there that we come before as a church and we say, Lord, we want you to hear our prayers. And we're reminded, call unto me, all ye that uh, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We bow our heads and we pray together. We're reminded that God hears us. You see, there is promise of revival connected to our time of corporate prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says, If my people which are called by name, by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see, Solomon was dedicating the temple of God. Uh, this was God's response to Solomon. And he said, listen, if you find yourself in a place where, where you have forgotten these precepts, if you've forgotten the covenant, if you've forgotten the promises you've made today, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to bow. Don't forget to, uh, to just to seek humbly together. And I will heal. I will hear. You know, it is no wonder that every great revival in history has always begun with times of prayer. Not one revival has come unless someone was willing to dedicate themselves first to prayer. And gather someone else and say, listen, I'm serious about this and we need prayer right now. Would you join me with me in prayer? And as they gathered themselves together, they, they last told women, men, each of these, say, listen, we have to pray together. This is so important. If we're ever going to see revival, we have to be willing to pray. Making a priority of prayer. In the book of Acts, 
just before that great revival in Acts chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit came down and dwelt among those, uh, came down upon the lives of those disciples. Acts chapter 1, 14 records this. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Listen, that, what was left of that remnant that was there, they gathered together in that upper room and they prayed and they sought the Lord and they said, God, please don't forsake us. God, please don't let us lose faith in this time. You see, the disciples depended on prayer and everything else was neglected, but they would not neglect prayer. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that there was a time when the widows were being neglected by the, by the uh, disciples. And so they needed deacons. They needed someone to help serve in this capacity. And this is why, he says in verse 4, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Why? Because we must keep a priority on prayer. We must keep a priority on God's Word. If we're ever going to be renewed spiritually, if we're ever going to be uh, renewed or experience revival, it's going to come because we keep an emphasis on God's Word. It's going to be an emphasis on prayer. You see, we lack in revival, in personally and corporately, because we are too busy to pray. God help us. But we see through our text in Nehemiah chapter 8, Spiritual renewal comes through God's Word, through prayer. But in verse number 9, we see a genuine repentance over their sin. May we never get over the fact that God is great and we are low. May we never over, uh, come to the point where we think that we are something that God should be, uh, should be proud of. But let me just remind you today that it's but by the grace of God, there go I. As the people were moved by prayer, as they were moved by worship, as they were moved by the reading and their exhortation of the Word of God, they truly began to weep. Their heart was affected by that time of genuine transformation and that meeting together with God. Nehemiah, as a matter of fact, because he said, listen, this is supposed to be a day of celebration, and you turn it into a time of mourning. He said, stop it. He said, stop whining, or excuse me, stop mourning and stop rejoicing. It was supposed to be a time where, God, where they celebrated God rebuilding their walls, where God had taken away the reproach. It was, a, it was supposed to be a time of great rejoicing. But when the Word of God was preached, when the Word of God was expounded, and the Word of God was read, and they were, were sincere about their worship and their prayer, what we see was it produced a genuine remorse and repentance and a desire to be obedient to God. In every revival, there have been great waves of repentance. There's people who realize that, listen, God, we can't do this in our sinfulness and we must, uh, and we must seek forgiveness. In revival, people, our hearts are cut by their, our sins because it's a natural response when we are exposed to who God is to simply repent. Two instances of this happening in Scripture that I want to point out to you. The first one is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was taken uh, by, the, by the Lord into the throne room through a vision. And as he was there, and he beheld the glory of the Lord. Can you imagine? He beheld the, God's glory. And he entered into that beautiful throne room, and he saw God's uh, holy train fill the temple, and he saw the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. 
He cried out in verse number 5 and he said, Woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He recognized when he came face to face with his Lord, when the holiness of God, that he was a man in need of repentance. You see, when we come face to face with who Christ is and who God is, then we recognize that we are a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in need of this spirit. Later, Peter said something similar in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 8. He said, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, in revival, we experience God. We experience His presence. We experience, as a result, genuine mourning and repentance because of being exposed to who God is. You see, this world has, has so diluted our idea of who God is, and this world has so distracted us that we don't really see Him for who He is. But this is what James said to those scattered Christians in James chapter 4 in verses 8 through 10. He says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. You see, as we come near to God, the glorious news is He comes near to us. And when this happens, by necessity, we must repent. We must mourn. And then we find that He lifts us up. He brings revival. He strengthens us and He renews us. The opposite of mourning is laughter. When a church or maybe an individual, maybe you're flipping through the channels and you find uh, Saturday Night Live or something foolish and you're watching this show and they make light of Christianity, they make light of sin and they cause you to laugh. This is the opposite of meeting with God. This is the opposite of what Nehemiah was, was demonstrating to us here and all that had happened in the book of Nehemiah. As Ezra read the, the words of God and these leaders and elders stood up and they proclaimed the truth to help them understand it and they started some studies to help people draw nigh to God. You see, it was laughter at sin is the opposite of mourning over our sin. And the world says, laugh at sin. It's just some, some sort of a joke. But God says, listen, you must see sin like I see it. It's repulsive. It's repugnant. And he says, repent. Maybe tonight you're mourning over your sin. I'm reminded of Christ's words. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. He says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. If you're mourning over your sin, God brings comfort through forgiveness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, through the work of Christ on the cross, you can know what it is to be forgiven. And He removes the mourning. He removes the sorrow. He removes those things. And so instead of sorrowful, a sorrowful spirit, He brings us joy. So obviously there must be repentance. 
There must be, if we're going to have spiritual renewal, we must get in God's Word. We must be willing to pray. We must be willing to repent. But we must be willing to respond. You see, if you turn to the book of Matthew and you go to Matthew chapter 7 and you come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ lays out two people, two men who heard the same message, but they responded differently. The first man, as he heard the message, was called a foolish man. And as he heard the message, he listened to it, but he ignored the warnings and he built his house upon the sand. And when the rains came and the floods came, his house was destroyed because it was not founded on something solid. But when the wise man heard the warnings and he heard the words, he built his house upon the solid rock because he knew the flood was coming. He knew that storm was coming. And when that storm of life came, his house stood firm because he was willing to respond in the right way. And that's where we're at here. If you look in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that God gives them strength to the joy from that forgiveness in verse number 10. But also verse number 13, we see this time where God brings a time of spiritual renewal in their life and because they chose to respond. So there's five responses and I've touched on one uh, I've touched on repentance first but that's where we're going to go. First off, if we're going to have spiritual renewal, we must repent. I mentioned that just a second ago. We see that in verse 9. The second one is joy in verses uh, in verse number 10. You see because as we see that, that uh, repentance leads to joy because as we repent, God brings us healing and there is joy in our life. In verse number 10 also, he says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send the portions of them, for nothing is prepared, uh, for this day is holy unto our Lord. And so we see that there are good deeds that happen. And Ezra and Nehemiah re- reminded the people to send the portions of the parts of the sacrifices so that, that they could eat so, uh, for those who had nothing. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And finally, I want to point to in verse number 17, obedience. This is always a sign of spiritual renewal is when we simply obey. I remember when we would sing uh, with the kids and sometimes we'd come with the kids and we would bring them in close and we'd sing a song uh, called Obedience. Uh, I don't remember how it goes at the moment, something O-B-E-Y. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Man, what an incredible song and a, a reminder that our obedience is indicative of a heart that's been renewed spiritually. If you look in verse number 13... It says, And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had uh, commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booze in the feast of the seventh month. And they've gathered. They were like, okay, we're listening to the law. And they came across this part that reminded them of uh, the feast of the booths. They had forgotten this. They'd forgotten this celebration that God had reminded them of when they had come out of the wilderness and they had landed in the land of Canaan. God says, don't forget where I brought you. And so they had neglected the ceremonies and they'd neglected these acts of remembrance all for their own selfish ambition. And now when they come to this point, what we find is in Nehemiah chapter 8, they read this again and they respond by obeying God's word. Look in verse number 17. 
And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. You'll never find anything sweeter than obeying the Lord. You see, because serving God brings gladness. Have you struggled with your relationship with the Lord? Have you struggled with feeling connected to Him? Try simply obedience. The Feast of the Booze was only two weeks away from the time that they read it to the time it should have been observed. And they heard the words of God and immediately they responded. And they said, we've got to obey. How important right now in this place that we are able to say, God, we hear your word. And right now, tonight, we want to obey your word. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be people of the word. We want to be people of repentance. We want to be people who mourn over our sin, but also who are joyful in Jesus. Today is the day to obey. Verse number 18, join with me. One last thing that we see. Also, day by day, from the first day into the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seventh days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. The Feast of Booths lasted an entire week, and every day consisted of more reading of God's word, and, and there was a, and then finally a culminating in a solemn assembly on the final day. You know what this means? They worshipped. How sweet it is to worship our Lord. How sweet it is to be able to bow before Him, to come before Him just as they, they responded in verse number 6. And they bowed with their faces toward the ground. They worshipped the Lord. They said, God, we worship You. We praise You. We honor You. And here in this moment we see that as they were willing to apply themselves to obeying God, they realized we must worship God. You worship Him? I think we've lost sight of what worship really is. Worship, we think, is a type of music, but it's not a type of music. You see, worship is something that emulates from the heart. It comes from the depths of who we are as we give worth to God. You see, worship means to ascribe worth to. Do you give Him worth in your life? How do we do that? Think about your day-to-day life. We, we see these these people who've been encamped in temporary shelters and they reflected on God's dealings with them in spite of their sins. And as we look at that, they were filled with gratitude and they, were, they simply said, God, we love you, we worship you. But more than that, they were willing to obey. And listen, reading, studying, preaching God's word produce in us a heart of worship. And so how fervently, how, how vitally tonight we need worship. Worship in our families to gather the kids together and say, God, let us worship you. Are you willing to worship him tonight? Are you willing as a family to gather together at the end of this service? We're going to be done in just a couple of minutes, so just stay with me just a little longer. We're going to be done, but when this, this live stream is over, will you be willing to worship? Will you be willing to say, God, forgive me a sinner? God, I need you. 
Chuck Swindoll tells of a time when he spoke at a family conference. There was a young couple with several small children and they looked and sounded like the normal Christian family. It was evident to him that they were very miserable though. He knew that divorce was on the back burner of their minds and he could just see that they were struggling. And as the week progressed though, he saw this couple change as they listened to the teaching of God's word. The husband hung on every word. The wife had her Bible open and and she followed closely to every message. At the end of the week, this couple came up to Swindoll and his wife said, We want, to, want you to know that this week has been a 180 degree turnaround experience for us. When we came, we were ready to separate. But we're going back together stronger than we've ever been in our marriage. That, that was joyous news, but it was dampened by another family's response. At the same conference, same speakers, same truths, same surroundings, same schedule, another father was completely turned off. He wasn't open. He attended the first few sessions, but, by and, but over time the guilt became so great and the conviction so deep that he just went home. He had stayed awake the entire night before and reached the decision to leave and not come back. He left his family hurting perhaps even more than when they had come. So what was the difference? It all comes down to attitude. You see, the couple who benefited uh, had, had teachable hearts. They had hearts that were ready to be renewed by the Word of God. They had hearts that were ready to pray together. They had hearts that were ready to mourn over their sin and seek forgiveness and seek restor uh, restoration and reconciliation. You see, that was the difference. The other one, the other man didn't. He came with hardness and he came with a bitterness and an angry spirit and he would not listen to the word of God. And so sometimes we come to church the same way and we approach the message of God the same way. God, sometimes people come and say, God, teach me. I want to know as much as I can. I want to know you more. I want to worship you more. I want to walk with you more fervently than ever before. But some people come to God with bitterness and angry and they say, God, why did you treat me like this? And I can't believe you forgot us and I can't believe that this has happened in my life and how could you ever do this? The difference is the heart. Tonight, as we look at the people of Israel in Nehemiah 8, their heart was tender toward the Lord. God renewed them. God desires to renew us. God wants to draw close to us, but we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to draw nigh to you. Are you willing to do that tonight?